So I was diagnosed um, in 2015 with a uh, benign uh, brain tumor. Right. Um, which, you know, as, as benign as it was, it, it eventually, you know, it was on track to, to kill me if I didn't get it out of there. Hello, and welcome to The Teller in the Tale. I'm your host, Michael Williams, and I hope you'll stick with me for the next 30 minutes uh, as I bring you another storyteller from the world of oral storytelling. My guest this week is American storyteller Kevin McMullen. And as you heard, he had some challenges to overcome in his career. Kevin is such an, an engaging, an engaging uh, storyteller and human being. So without further ado, uh, let's go to my interview with Kevin McMullen. Hey, uh, well, welcome to The Teller in the Tale. It's nice to have you here. Well, thank you. Are we starting now? With that, uh... Yeah, might as well. Why not? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always ask people, Kevin, um, you know, if, if you can remember all the way back to the beginning, a lot of uh, storytellers tell me, like, I'll say, oh, you know, did you have parents or grandparents that were great, you know, storytellers? Was that what inspired you? And very often they say, no, I didn't actually have parents that were storytellers. Um, it happens occasionally, but I would say it's more rare than common. Um, huh. Storyteller. I, so what about you? What, what, your early well, childhood? I, I'm going to be one of those rare guys. Um, I had the very good fortune to grow up in a community uh, filled with amazing storytellers. Yeah. Now, they, they weren't, you know, um, they were not folktales, um, the stories that I heard growing up. These were family stories. It was stories of what happened, um, you know, yesterday or, yeah. um, it's just that the people who told them were extraordinarily good at, at telling them. Yes. Um, uh, my dad was a minister. Um, so I heard him tell stories every week from the pulpit. Of course. Um, and, and, you know, there's no doubt that, that that had a huge impact on me, but as much as, as anything, it was also the, the surrounding community. Do you, Kevin, do you, uh, thinking back to, you know, those early stories, um, were there any particular stories or a story that, that kind of, you know, still kind of stands out in your mind as being a sort of a, you know, a seminal tale that had some impact on you? Hmm, you know, there's something that I heard as a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, I don't think that there were there was any one story that that really you know like nailed me. Um, mm -hmm. It was more the the um, the atmosphere of sharing stories and the way that those stories were shared with each other, the way that people listened to each other as they yeah. you know as they as they told those stories. That's that's really what impacted me. Um, yeah, it was it, and. And, and, you know, it was really also living the story that, that you know, was going on around me in, in, in my childhood. That, that was, you know, of course, as it is for everybody, that was a huge impact. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, and, and people told those stories to each other in sort of, epi you know, little mini episodic ways. And this, this is what happened today. Or, yeah. yeah, no, no, no one particular story, I don't think. Well, I mean, I can say, I mean, you know, you, you've been, you've been doing this for probably what, 40 years or so? I think that's what your website said. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'd, I'd, have, yeah. To, I'd have to sit down and count it up, but. but um, 
Yeah, but you know, so somebody could hear that and think either what does that mean? Well, he's either old or <laughs> or or he has a lot of experience, you know. Or both. Or both. <laughs> yeah. yeah. More or, likely. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's just lived a long time. You know, he's been lucky. <laughs> I have been lucky. Yeah. I yeah. Um, what what about uh, later on as a, as an adolescent? I'm just trying to kind of you know at what point did you feel that you were going to be moving into um, you know telling tales? Mm. You know, I don't think there was like a moment of enlightenment. Mm. It was it was like uh, the the frog being put in the in the proverbial pot in the, in the water, you know. <laughs> Started to heat up. Um, at some at some point, the frog boiled. <laughs> um, I'm not I'm not sure I could tell you exactly when that was. Uh, you know, I was a tuba major in right. college, and um, my teacher, who was a phenomenal uh, phenomenal teacher, um, always would say to me as I was uh, working on a piece make it a story, make it a story. He said that over and over again. Um, and it, it, you know, I've always been interested in the way that music and language interact and, and, you know, music and storytelling. It's got a long tradition. I'm not sure that, I mean, I'd be almost positive that the the earliest stories were music and, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, I know. Mean, when did I? It dawned on me that you know, oh, I'm going to be a storyteller. Uh, <laughs> you know, at one point I got uh, there was a an arts consortium um, up in Duluth that was looking for artists and residents uh, folks, and I said, um, you know, I said to myself, well, I've got this program idea of of music and language and mm. you know what if I what if I put something together for their their resident you know for them and, and I did and they bought the idea and and that's I guess when I kind of you know sort of formally launched into into storytelling. I mean were you a natural frontman or were you a so playing solo or in a band or well you know my that's funny that because my first um I mean I got out of the classical scene and it took a college education for me to realize that there were lighter instruments that you could carry around and play <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh so you know i, I actually picked up uh, the guitar and fiddle and i one of my first bands was bluegrass band i was in a um, oh, bluegrass right. band as a fiddle player yeah um so no i the 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 premise of this band was that uh it was like on one of the old bluegrass radio shows uh, oh yeah 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 right and so we yeah. called ourselves radio bluegrass Right. And and uh, so we, you know, we've had all these kind of skits and little commercials and stuff that we sort of all did. You know, right. um, oh, yeah. we, we had a we had a front man. Jed Maluski was our, our front guy. And um, uh, but we you know, it was all it was all pretty much back and forth. Right. Um, like, just like a radio show. Yeah. To be. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my, uh, you know, and so there was some theater there yeah. and, you know, kind of, I suppose that was paving the way for all. Oh, it sounds great. I mean, I was always a big fan of Garrison Keillor and, uh, and yeah. Uh, yeah, 
Prairie Home yeah. Companion, you know. The yeah, it was right, right about that time that we were doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As I went out for a take a little walk, walked upon that wild Bill Jones. He was walking and talking by my true lover's side. I bid him to leave her alone. He said, My age is 21, too old to be controlled. I drew my revolver. And there's a little bit of bluegrass there from uh, Harvey Reed and Joyce Anderson, Wild Bill Jones. Uh, let's get back to the interview with uh, my guest this week, Kevin McMullen. So yeah, bluegrass. So we have we have that in common for sure. We yeah, what, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So can, can you tell me a little bit about the uh, the background to the? the I, I think it's the, probably a fairly recent show that you've done into the Black Sea. Yeah. So, um, boy, that's a story. Um, so I was diagnosed um, in 2015 with a uh, benign uh, brain tumor, right? Um, which you know, as, as benign as it was, it, it eventually you know it was on track to, to kill me if I didn't get it out of there. But at that point, you know, my career was already as a musician pretty much destroyed because. It was Trying to play with the kind of tinnitus that I mm. have is challenging, you know, even playing alone, playing with other people is like impossible. Yeah. Um, and the dizziness was, you know, I mean, <laughs> so through that, I was kind of keeping a little journal or blog, I was publishing some of it online. I got an email from the Lacrosse Storytelling Festival, which is a festival that I performed that two or three times before. Mm. I really like the people there. It's a great festival. And they were asking me to, you know, be one of the featured performers at, at, at September. This was January. Festival. <laughs> I said to myself, I said, you know, I haven't told this story in four years. Mm. And, you know, I'm not going to tell any of the stories that I was telling before. I mean, at this point, you know, I, I would have to be completely insane to take this gig. Um, but something made me take it. Um, I think I needed, I mean, I knew I wanted to take some of the material that I'd written and, and turn it into a stage show. And I said, okay, this, this is the opportunity to do that. But I didn't, I wasn't even sure where my, you know, I, my dad could be in hospice at the same time as the, you know, I had yeah. no idea where those so real, it was really a stupid thing to do. <laughs> It, but, my, it, wife, but, my wife was ready to kill me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did, I did, I took it and, you know, I performed the material and my wife and I had all, we, after I got diagnosed, we had the, the community around us had put together an amazing fundraiser. It was just, God, it was mm -hmm. just overwhelming. And, and it, we were so grateful. We knew that we wanted to do something to thank people. 
Um, and so I said, well, okay, I'm going to put on a couple of thank you concerts. Be free, people come. And so I took that material that I did at the Lacrosse Storytelling Festival and I kind of expanded it and turned it into this show, into the Black right. Sea. Um, do you feel do you feel like uh, sharing a story? Sure. I mean, um, your your life's a story. Really fascinated by it, but yeah, how about some time just to just to share a story that you'd like? Okay, well, um, this is a story that that needs no introduction. It's uh, it's kind of a classic. I'm not even going to say the the title, um, but I like to to open and um, well, you know, I, I start by saying this whole Zoom thing. I mean, the COVID era, yeah. and you know, all of us storytellers performers are like scrambling yeah. to adjust to the, the new venues that we're you know finding ourselves put in and and so you know i'm every time i do a, a zoom thing which i mean i know there's no visuals here thank goodness um but you know when i am doing it, it's like okay i'm gonna experiment here and see if this works yes, yeah <laughs> so, so this is you know, we'll see if this works. I hope it works. Um, I have not, zo- I've not zoomed this story before. Give it a go. <laughs> but, but it is, it is from the show. Strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. And the Arctic tales have their secret tales that'll make your blood run cold. The northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was the night on the marge of Lake Labarge. I cremated Sam Now Sam McGee was from Tennessee, where the cotton blooms and grows. Why he left his home in the South to roam around the poles, God only knows. He was always cold. The land of gold seemed to hold him like a spell. Though he'd often say in his homely way, he'd sooner live in hell. On a Christmas day, we were mushing our way over the Dawson Trail. Talk of your cold through the parka's fold, it stabbed like a driven nail. If our eyes we'd closed and the lashes froze, Sometimes you couldn't see. It wasn't much fun. 
The only one to whimper, Sam McGee. That very night, as we lay snug tight in our robe beneath the snow, all the dogs were fed, stars overhead were dancing, heel and toe. He turned to me. Cap, says he, I'll cash in this trip, I guess. And if I do, I'm asking that you won't refuse my last request. It seemed so low, I couldn't say no. Then he says with a sort of a moan, it's this cursed cold. It's got right holes till I'm chilled clean through to the bone. Yet it ain't being dead. It's my awful dread of the icy grave that pains. So I want you to swear that fall or fair, you'll cremate my last remains. Now a man's last need is a thing to heed. So I swore I wouldn't fail. We went on at the streak of dawn. Good God, he looked ghastly pale. He crouched in the sleigh and he raved all day of his home in Tennessee. And before nightfall, a corpse was all that was left of Sam McGee. Wasn't a breath in that land of death. I hurried, horrid. The corpse half hid, I couldn't get rid of because of a promise. Flashed to the sleigh. And it seemed to say, You may tax your brawn and brain, but you promised true. Now it's up to you to cremate these last. Promise made is a debt unpaid. And the trail has its own stern code. In the days to come, though my lips were dumb, in my heart, oh, I cursed them. Through the long, long nights, I was only firelight while the huskies, round in a ring, howled out their woes to the home snow. God, how I loathed them. Every day, that quiet clay seemed to heavy and heavier grow. On I went. The dogs were spent and the grub was getting low. The trail was bad. I went half mad. Still, I swore I would not give in. Sometimes I'd sing for the hateful thing. And it hearkened with a grin. <laughs> came to the marge of Lake Labarge, a derelict there lake. It was jammed in the ice. I saw in a trice it was called Yalis May. I looked at it. I thought of it. Thought, look at my frozen chum. Then here says I with a sudden cry is my crematorium. Next I tore from the cabin floor and I lit the boiler fire. Some coal I found that was lying around and I hate the fuel up higher. And the flames just soared, the furnace roared, such a blaze you seldom see. Then I buried a hole in the glowing coal and I stuffed in Sam McGee. Then I made a hike 
didn't like the urine sizzled so and scowl huskies howled and the wind began to blow it was icy cold but the hot sweat rolled down my cheek i don't know why and in greasy smoke and an inky cloak went streaking down the sky i do not know how long in the snow i wrestled with grizzly fear but the stars were out and began dancing about here again i ventured near I was sick with dread, but I bravely said, oh, I'll just take a peek inside. I guess it's cooked. It's time I looked. The door I opened wide. There sat Sam looking cool and calm in the heart of the furnace roar. He wore a smile you could see a mile. And he said, please close the door. It's fine in here, but I greatly fear you'll let in the cold and storm. Since I left Plum Tree down in Tennessee, it's the first time I've been warm. There are strange things done in the midnight sun by the men who moil for gold. The Arctic tales have the secret tales that would make your blood run cold. Northern lights have seen queer sights, but the queerest they ever did see was the night on the marge of Lake LaBarge. I cremated Sam. You're listening to The Teller in the Tale with me, Michael Williams, right here on Blues and Roots Radio. And my guest this week is storyteller, American storyteller, Kevin McMullen. Find out more about Kevin at his website, kevinmcmullen.com. That was the cremation of Sam McGee, Kevin's version of the Robert Service poem. And uh, though this is an audio uh, show, uh, I had the privilege of uh, seeing all the visuals there and the acting. It was great seeing Kevin's expressions. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you were right right into the, the characters and the, and the entire story. That, that was well done. Really enjoyed that. Oh, thank you. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was interested, you know, you, you mentioned earlier your your uh, history of being in bluegrass bands and that kind of brought to mind Appalachian music and ballads. And um, and of course, that 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 story, um, uh, the, the Sam McGee story, I mean, in a way, it's uh, it's probably been set to music. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure it has. Yeah, I'm sure yeah, somebody's. You know, yes. Yeah. Mary, Mary McCaslin or something yeah. like that that did a did a, a version of it that way. Right. Yeah. Right. OK. Um, so yeah, it doesn't surprise me that you might be attracted. Is, is the ballad form, is that, is that something? I mean, do you enjoy telling those kind of story songs uh, like you, that you often find uh, in, in bluegrass circles? Yeah, you know, I, I, that is probably the only ballad kind of, or poem that I do. You know, most of the, most of Into the Black Sea is, is original material stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, it's stuff from you know, the blog that I was keeping. This, the, journey, the journey that we take, the audience and I, in, um, in Into the Black Sea, is dark. Yeah, yeah. I go to some, I go to some dark places. Um, well, the subtitles, it, Stories of Darkness and Light. Right, yeah, yeah. right. And my feeling is, as a storyteller, when, when I go up on stage, I enter into a contract with the audience. And my, the contract was something like this. Um, 
I'm going to take you on a journey. And if you trust me and come with me on this journey, I will, I will promise that you'll be glad that you did it. Mm, mm. Um, and so as I was constructing this dark material, you know, where I'm taking people to places that they maybe wouldn't normally voluntarily go. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was creating a safe space, a, a place uh, that people could feel comfortable. Yeah. Part of that was going in and going out. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I use music and, you know, a story like that, I think as a kind of a, um, as a kind of a tool to help people feel safe. And the, yeah. the story is, is familiar. Yeah. Um, so that's the safe thing. It's got, a, it's got this humor in it, which helps make it feel safe. And um, so I was really, as I was constructing the stage show, I was really looking for what kinds of tools I could use to make this journey that, that I was, you know, about to take the audience and I on um, something that they would find, um, you know, worthwhile and, and, and glad that they did. Well, well, talking about getting up in the saddle, uh, I wanted to, uh, as we wind up, uh, talk about upcoming events and, and mm. what's, in the, what's in the future for you. This radio program, whatever you yeah. decide. Yeah, now. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So just as a, fi a final word, if, if, if somebody's listening to this and thinking, gosh, they've really made storytelling sound interesting, but I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, what would you say to somebody just to kind of invite them over that threshold into the storytelling world you know we all tell stories you know even the people who come up to me and, and tell me they, they don't tell stories you know yeah. in in two minutes into the conversation you know, they'll be telling me a story yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. um I, you know everybody in the world tells stories um and and i think it's just a matter like a lot of other stuff it's a matter of being aware of it you know? yeah Hey, I'm I'm telling a story here. Um, you know, I, I I'm sure you've you know I mean, you've been more or less kind of circling around the same idea that I'm sure you're you're familiar with. It. I, that the older I get, the, the more I realize that my fundamental job as a storyteller is to get out of the way of the story. Mm -hmm. Yes, you know, and to serve it. Yeah, right. To tell you know, let the story let the story do the work. Yeah, um, you know, and it's not about me. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, partly it's, you know, we think of some stories as something you outgrow, um, which is uh, in some ways actually a really dangerous idea. Yeah. But then we're suddenly not aware of the stories that we're feeding on and, and digesting and, you know, telling and retelling every day as adults. Yeah. So, you know, that's, we need, to, we need to get rid of that fevered notion that storytelling is something you outgrow. And I, and I you're absolutely right. And, and, and it, you know, of course, there are many people often associate storytelling with children. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's uh, no, it's, it's, it's for all ages. And um, yeah, uh, I, I was thinking of your dad, um, you know, that he would have been a storyteller as well in the pulpit. Yep. Um, stories are, 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 you know, essential to, well, really all religions. Um, and, but I think the point about them is that storytelling, stories connect us, as many people have said, you know, they, they connect us one to another. But I think they also 
connect us to something larger. And I, I wouldn't count myself as a religious person, maybe a small S sort of spiritual person, maybe, but, but I still believe that stories connect us to something bigger, you know? Um, yeah. Something, something like you mentioned earlier about the universality of, of like you're telling your, your unique personal story of your own journey, but you recognized, as you said earlier, that it needs to connect at a, at a kind of larger, um, you know, a larger, in a larger way so that, that everyone, right. no matter where they've come from or what their own personal stories are, feel connected to it, feel linked to you. Yeah, yeah it's, it. it's, it's funny that you should mention that because I mean, when I designed the stage show, I, I wasn't, there was, I had no spiritual intentions whatsoever. I mean, I, as far as I could tell, I hadn't inserted a, you know, a drop of spirituality anywhere in there. I don't mention religion, you know, there's nothing, you know, in there about any of it. And after, um, you know, I did the show a couple of times, um, the first like five gigs I had were churches hired me to come and, yeah. and, and do Sunday services yeah um for them and i was just like <laughs> that was not a niche i'd expected to, <laughs> to fall into no this is i think you know the, the what makes a good story and what makes a good storyteller is that people can take you know stuff out of it from where they're coming from that's kind of what i was hoping for i wanted to i wanted to make a show that would meet people where they're at yeah um, well, that's all the time we have. Uh, I really like to thank my uh, my guest this week, American storyteller Kevin McMullen. It's wonderful talking to him. And let me remind you once again about Kevin's website at uh, kevinmcmullen.com, and you can learn all about his show, Into the Black Sea. Uh, until then, uh, next time, next week, friends. This is Michael Williams for the Teller in the Tale, saying, "May all your once upon a times and happily ever after." Where I climbed The valley where I fell You were there all alone That's the story I'll tell You brought the pieces together Made me the storyteller